actually, hold on. We can't start yet because I don't have any wine. I was going to say, I uh, I went out specifically. I don't have a drink, so wait, stand by. <laughs> Go get it, girl. Okay. I need to refresh my mem. I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse that I watch the day of. At least your anger is fresh because I feel like by the time I get here, I'm just tired. And when I look back at my notes, I was so angry at the time. And now I'm just like, oh, oh God. <laughs> I think there's just so many contradictions, I feel like, depending on the character. The writers are contradicting these characters, and it's not fair. Okay. I'm guessing you have specific examples when we get into things. I mean, oh, God. It's just the Betty of it all, the Veronica of it all. (laughs) They were the most annoying part of this episode. Holy fuck. (laughs) Actually, all of it was annoying. All of it was annoying. I was a little happy with the progress of Cheryl's story. Yeah, fucking finally. I mean, let's just get that show on the road. I was like, finally, Cheryl. Jesus, just (laughs) say what everybody knows already. Yeah. But yeah, there's things I'll point out that I think were fucking hilarious. And then (laughs) I dug, not not that I dug deeper, but I, I... always go back to like the Riverdale wiki and I'm like oh I didn't pick up on that or I didn't know that so we'll figure it out yes this is I hate it let's watch it I'm Lisa and I'm Dawn and to get us started here's our 60 second summary a lot to unpack this week, so let's start with Jughead, who realizes Pep Comics has been plagiarizing stories by his favorite author, Brad Rayberry, and goes to Rayberry's house to encourage him to take action. After Jughead helps Rayberry broker a deal with Pep Comics to get paid for his ideas, Rayberry offers to mentor Jughead and invites him over to get feedback on his writing. However, Jughead blows the opportunity by stealing an unpublished manuscript from Rayberry to read, and Rayberry kicks him out. After some Vixen's cheerleading drama involving Evelyn Evernever of all people, Cheryl finally admits she's hot for Tony, and the two begin exploring their relationship. Betty is aching to explore her relationship with Archie, but she is being cockblocked by Uncle Frank, who has taken his responsibility of whipping Archie into shape way too seriously. He forces Archie to go on an apology tour, gets him a job pumping gas, and makes him a water boy for the basketball team. Mary finally realizes Frank is pushing him too hard and reminds Archie that his dad would be proud of him no matter what, and Archie decides to actually join the basketball team. Despite having no time for proper dates, Archie eagerly agrees to a striptease performance through the window with Betty, which was actually pretty sexy until they're caught by Uncle Frank and Betty's dad. No way around it, there's going to be hell to pay for both of them next week. So this episode should have been the sex edge episode. We said that about like every episode since. The but sex they ed. all, I think, <laughs> taught more about sex ed than the sex ed episode. It's true. Yeah. We're really stretching out the sex ed. That's gonna oh, yeah. take some time, apparently. So I guess we can start there because I was about to say that this once again is like sort of a very structured episode in terms of each section is of itself. There isn't a lot of overlap in the characters right. here. So Jughead's got his own thing going on. Betty and Veronica have their own thing going on. Cheryl and Tony have their own thing going on. Archie and Betty kind of overlap a little bit, but like only towards the end. And yeah. Archie and Uncle Frank are having their little pissing contest. So Which is, oh, that I'm not a fan of either. We'll get there, but let's let's go back and address Veronica and Betty. So Betty is still horny. I, I feel like it doesn't need to be said, but... <laughs> She is. Somebody needs to. She needs a vibrator. Somebody needs to plug her hole because (laughs) we're having. I mean, it gets to a point in the episode where she mentions not being an info. And it's like, but you are an info. Right. I understand what she was trying to say. Yeah. But but it was coming from the wrong person. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) 
<laughs> because if anybody is sex obsessed, it is Betty at like this current time. Percent. She's the only one. No guy on the show is that obsessed at this no, point. No, she's so fixated on getting this shit done. But also good for her. And I'm yeah. kind of on the writer's side with this because it's like, okay, yeah, show the female side of this because it's not always the guys that are so horned up and right. gunning for it. No, we have the same urges and to show how desperate she is at this. I mean, yeah, there's a level of desperation that's a little much, but I mean, I kind of, as much as we (laughs) make fun of it, I'm glad we're seeing it. One of the things that is kind of annoying to me is that she has these urges. She seems to know exactly what she wants, but she still pretends like she has no idea how to get it. And this is when she goes to Veronica to be like, how do I be sexy? And I just, I feel like even when Betty was trying to convince Kevin to bone and she was teaching Archie how to seduce Veronica, like she knows, she knows what she's supposed to be doing. And then she's like, what sex? I don't understand. It's like we're in the 1950s, not the 1750s. I don't understand. It's not puritanical times. We're not sheltering women the same way. It's the 50s, but like people were talking about sex in the 50s. Yeah, and everything that, I mean, anything that was shown was somehow related to being sexual in some way. And I'm sure we'll see it next week too with, you know, Riverdale grandstand or whatever the hell and dancing like dancing is what is you know right it le- devil, i mean if you right it's illegal or you're from the dirty dancing time right we are all who are from the town of footloose but it's just yes dancing is one step away from sex it just made me laugh because it's right after the initial peep show well, not peep show, but Betty is being what she na- calls a peeping patty. <laughs> and she is peeping at Archie, like hardcore. Like if, if drool could be coming out of her mouth, it would have. Yes. And it's after that that she then decides to go to Veronica and she's like, can I bend your ear? And I wanted to be like, so Archie can bend you over. <laughs> that's the next step. Also, all their sayings, like I know they're I trying know. to be in the 50s, but they're pushing it a little it's too It's gotten hard. worse, I think. Oh, they said ginchiest again. They did. I, wanted to, oh, I didn't like it. And didn't like it. Tony keeps saying, you dig it. Mm-hmm. Can you dig it? And I'm like, no, I can't dig it, Tony. I can't dig it. And you can tell they're a little weirded out saying it as their lines like when she says it she's like kind of like I don't like saying it It doesn't feel right coming out of my mouth you know it's weird yeah no it's not working and you know I think I said this in one of the other episodes I think if the show had always been in the 50s and we were used to them talking that way maybe it wouldn't sound so strange but it's just the fact that we know that they're out of time that they're not supposed to be here that they don't say things this way that it's sounding so so odd to us mm-hmm. it feels like it's a forced element that we're having to deal with and it's like ugh. yeah and with this conversation we find out that veronica has never gone all the way shocker right i mean it's typical she's talking a big game which i think just proves everything that she's done so far just the way she's handled things especially with the guys like, yeah when she hosted that sex party yeah and then like only had kissing games it's like well okay guess this makes more sense now right you can't even show the evolution of what your party's supposed to be but <laughs> it is what it is and she admit the way to woo a guy is through lingerie right she to make yourself feel sexy yeah that was the whole thing it wasn't even necessarily about seducing a guy it was about like embracing your feminine sexuality 
And I kind of agreed with her definition of that and saying, like, wearing it under your clothes just gives you that extra oomph of yeah. feeling like once the top layer's off, I have the power kind of thing. <laughs> Which I haven't worn lingerie in golly knows how long. But I have so much of it that you would think that it was in my normal nighttime <laughs> routine. Wardrobe routine, <laughs> but no, it's not. I have a lot too. I mean, I definitely still use some of it, but I had to throw out a bunch recently because there was stuff that I had bought 10 years ago and I'm like, this does not fit my body anymore. I was going to say, my ex husband was obsessed with buying. He would go to Frederick's all the time. Yeah, right. Classy establishment. R.I.P. Frederick's. They had a literal store in the Massapequa Mall. And also the Broadway Mall in Hicksville. Oh, really? Yeah. And we would go and make like a date out of it, which was actually kind of cool. No, yeah, that's that's a fun thing to do together. It was a fun thing to do. And I admittedly feel like Frederick's was extremely body positive because they would have my size. Mm -hmm. So there was stuff that I had that I was actually very comfortable in. Yeah. Again, nowadays trying to find shit like that, I ugh. I have been successful in the past. I only hope to be successful in the future. And I have to admit, Betty looked banging. Oh, that was a nice. That a was nice a nice one. Outfit. Yes. I feel like that would have looked nice too with jeans and like a blazer. Yeah. Yeah. That would have looked nice. Yeah. For sure. But that's now. That's not 50s. No. Yeah. That not at all. would have not been acceptable. No. So yeah, I definitely agree. Even wearing like a matching set sometimes makes me feel mm -hmm. a little bit extra. I'm just like, huh, I've coordinated today. and I feel put together. Yeah, I, I'm put together <laughs> head to toe. But it does help. And I, I recommended it to friends before who maybe have body confidence issues or whatever. I just feel like when you find the right piece, it makes you feel so good. I've even felt too like it's a weird thing to say but I feel like clothes just make me feel heavier that yeah. like there are times mm -hmm. when I'm like I get out of the shower and I'm like just an underwear and a bra and I'm like I feel thinner yeah minus the clothes mm -hmm. so that's another level where lingerie does help and yeah. it's so I totally get where Veronica's coming with this on so many different levels. Mm -hmm. And I like that she did incorporate like just trying to make Betty feel better as opposed to trying to impress a guy. Because right. it's not all about that. Yeah, so exactly. And it's easier to impress men when you are impressed with yourself. You know, you have to have that base layer of confidence. Still working on that. But yes, a lot of people totally. are. It's, it's yeah it takes a lot it takes a lot so yeah so she then tells betty come to the uh pembroke, the hell's, the pembroke <laughs> and we'll have a little like you know fashion show kind See, of like that's a little bit weird <laughs> that's a little weird and not only that veronica's laying on the bed with chocolates and a mimosa I assume. and a mimosa <laughs> like you're in high school what right are you doing yeah but she has no rules no because she's literally alone yeah exactly no supervision of any kind but yeah i was wondering if this was veronica's lingerie that she was trying on or I if think so. veronica bought some specially for her to try on in the house like I, it the whole thing is weird it's one thing yeah. if betty had gone out and bought lingerie or if even she and veronica shopped for it together and then she brought it home and tried it on for her that's one thing it's a little bit weird i wouldn't necessarily do that with my friends but like fine but i don't know whose lingerie this is and that's what's disturbing me at this point in time i think it's veronica i assumed that she was like i have a huge collection of lingerie why don't you just come over and find right. something you like and that's just not something you share in that I way i really <laughs> didn't pick up on that being weird though i don't know what it was i think i was more weirded out by like the way veronica was watching her okay the whole laying I on mean, the, the bed whole thing with was that, weird. The, the whole thing was weird but it was 
I felt like it was the same as you go to like a department store with your friend and you're trying on stuff and you ask them if it looks good. Right. I mean, it's the same kind of idea, but I just felt like the environment was a little weird that made it more intimate. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's the word. (laughs) Well, regardless, she finds this out for Betty, but Betty tries to ask Archie on a date at Veronica. This made me so sad. Prompting. And... He says no because for reasons we will get to later, Uncle Frank yeah. is being a fucking douche. Yeah, he's keeping him busy at all hours of the day, so he has no time to go on any dates. So he says no, but maybe at some point in the future. Betty says okay, but thinks he's just making up an excuse because he doesn't actually want to go on a date with her. And that's very sad. Yeah, I felt like him saying what he said and how he said it about Uncle Frank, I immediately was like, okay, he's up your ass. Like, I totally get it. But Betty didn't really pick up on that. And that made me say, like, she had tears in her eyes. You saw she was about to cry. Right. You felt really horrible. But I also did feel Archie's angst of like, fuck, like, I really want to do yes. this, but I know it's going to fuck up what I have to deal with. So I, I it's it sucks because you think like, oh, the promise, you know, like, I don't want to make a promise I can't keep. Mm-hmm. But I also don't want to tell her no because I really want it. So he's in that horrible, like, catch-22 and I feel, oh, I feel bad. Yeah, I mean, if he had been smarter about it, I think there is probably a way where he could have said something like, okay, well, I don't have a time for a date, but maybe do you want to have lunch together this week or something? Can I walk you to school? Like, give her a little something. If he can't fully commit at this point, at least show her that you're still interested because you know this is a true maxim of life you know people who want to make time for you are going to make time for you so i think maybe this was like a situation where he probably should have made a little bit more of a gesture in terms of making time for her even though we know he has very little time to make but any little bit helps they both have to go to school and uncle frank took his car so he has to walk anyway so might as well walk her i can't wait to get into that (laughs) because i have so many eye rolls for this shit But, um, (laughs) yeah, so she then, you know, lets Veronica know, I tried, I was shut down. And Veronica's next um, idea was, well, that doesn't mean we can't just hang out with random guys that want to hang out with us. And it's funny because- Good time boys, I believe she called them. Good time boys, yes, from Stonewall Prep. And I found this very funny because it reminds me back in the day, our school was closely in relation to the old boys school, Chaminade. Mm-hmm. And seventh and eighth grade ish, when we were in seventh and eighth grade, would go to the Chaminade dances. And I always found that weird because I'm like, well, it's an all boys school, so they have to ask girls from other schools to go to these dances. So it like kind of came in my head like, oh, they're kind of doing like a Shami thing. Like they're going. <laughs> Shami thing? Is that what you guys called it? Oh, yeah. A Shami thing. <laughs> yeah no it just it just reminded me of that because that's what it was like and then to think now back then that stonewall prep was only an old boys school yeah we know now that it's not well now it's been destroyed by a meteor so <laughs> <laughs> right everything was my bad so they go to pops on this date and the guys are into it betty is very not into it she's watching archie forlornly out the window as he pumps gas for julian which again we'll get into we'll get into it <laughs> But she's just like very clearly not into it. She only wants Archie. She only has eyes for Archie and vagina for Archie. Mm -hmm. So I can't remember how it comes up in conversation with Veronica. But Betty reveals essentially that she can see Archie through her window. Oh, right. Again, I just watched it today. So I should know exactly how that went down. 
I, I mean, I don't quite remember, but Betty just throws it into casual. conversation and Veronica latches onto. She's like, what are you talking about? I have to see this, which is, again, fucking weird. You don't invite a friend over to gawk at your neighbor who, by the no. way, you want to get with and also knew that Archie and Veronica kind of had like a little thing at the beginning when she first showed up in town so like right <laughs> why why would you invite her over to spy on on him while he undresses very quickly when they have the discussion outside they're at like the picnic table at school when they're talking about this uh-huh and like making the plan to like sit in the window and basically watch him so creepy i really have the same outfit betty had she had a royal blue blazer and like blue rose dress okay i have a blue rose blazer Mm -hmm. with like a blue shirt i have to show you i feel like i i've never seen you wear this because you only ever wear black it's new i'll send it to you i just found that funny i'm like wait a minute i have the exact same thing sort of in my closet twinning so they get to betty's and they're not hiding that they're peeping they are not they are fully in the window like they're not even like hiding at the at the side like peeking behind curtains no they are fully in the window both of them Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it's no wonder that archie happens to look over and catch them in the act and then even when he does they're so slow to be like oh god he saw us uh, uh, we, uh, I guess we duck and it's like oh you bitches initially I was like how does he not see them but yeah. luckily he did because I'm like you'd be dumb not to see them I yeah mean, the yes <laughs> literal the distance the distance between the houses is not that far I, I mean think- they make it seem a little further but I'm thinking of me next to the house next door that's not far at all no and at night you know when it's just the light from across yeah that's all you're seeing yeah you're I, like i'm looking at my neighbors right now like i can see right into their kitchen from my window and so if, and like orb. somebody you was could see the orb <laughs> yes. that's <laughs> so if somebody were staring at me out the window and that's a lot further i would definitely see them so like they're not smart about this plan and then they're so embarrassed about it as they should be honestly like i would die oh yeah so (laughs) they're talking about it the next morning at school and how awful it is and like what should we do like should we apologize whatever and then archie rolls up and they're both like hey archie Mm -hmm. and then he's like can i talk to betty alone and then veronica is like sure and as she's walking away she's like keep up the good work and then it was like okay you're being weird about this you're making it so much weirder but not as weird as the conversation that happens between betty and archie right now because this i was so uncomfortable yeah you probably have a fresher memory of it than i do but it was basically like archie just came out and was like well i saw you guys watching me and then he's like you know, Uncle Frank has me really busy, but like once I'm home, I'm in my room. And she's like, Well, once I'm home, right? I'm they're like in talking in too. But wait, now I'm remembering also before they get to this part, <laughs> he says, like, I liked it. When he basically tells her that he caught them on, she was like, I liked it though. And it was like, mm, this, okay. is, this is weird now because like there were two of them. So now I'm having flashbacks to the last episode where they that comic book story about them having the threesome because he just seems to be he didn't say like you know I wanted you to see it or like I'm glad you were watching it was like I liked it and I was like okay so do you also like that Veronica was there or was that right. just kind of like incidental <laughs> what's what's going on here uh, but then yeah they're just like you said they're going back and forth and kind of like code and they're just speaking very slowly towards each other and they're like well I'm in my room at that time and then 
the other one would be like, well, I'm in my room at that time. And like, so why don't we? Yeah, I'll be in my room at midnight. At midnight. Okay, so midnight. And then they would just kind of ping pong back and forth, (laughs) repeating each other. And the looks on their faces, like they were ready to splooge right there. Oh, yes. They were keyed up. And I think it's because neither of them wanted to say the weird reality, which was, I'm going to undress in front of my window at midnight, and I want to see you undress in front of your window at midnight. They were trying to be a bit more coy than that, because I have to say the idea is sexy. I was into it. I was into it, too. I was very upset at how it ended. (laughs) I was a little taken aback by how like the individual layers Mm. like i understand it was a peep show right it's a striptease it's It's not a striptease but it was super slow like literally she takes her belt he takes her his belt she takes her shirt off you're building anticipation don you can't just cut right to the chase well clearly they should have gone a little faster that's true (laughs) yeah they (laughs) they did not know that they didn't have time (laughs) although that would have been a lot worse i think how though how did they not have time how were they heard well that's the other thing were they ratted out somehow because i don't like they did this at midnight their parents should have been asleep they were and being, they seemed like they were being super quiet so quiet like they they weren't talking there there was nothing going on like i don't understand how both I parents jumped. at the same time <laughs> i jumped so high like they <laughs> they slammed through the doors and i was like ah <laughs> wow you must have been really like engrossed in that moment because i really thought they were down to like the nitty gritty at they that were. point. I they were like, about to take their pants off. Archie had one well, finger in those boxers. Right. He was about to take his boxers down and she was about to undo the lingerie. His tidy whiteies. Oh God. But yes. And then, yeah. So Uncle Frank barges in on Archie and Hal barges in on Betty at the same time. Like what are the odds that they coordinated these efforts? I wonder if we'll get to hear about that in the next episode. I don't know. I feel like. Or we're just supposed to buy it. <laughs> But the only person who knew was Veronica. She wouldn't have tattled, I would not I would think. hope not. But, like, I could see Alice saying something like, well, it's a good thing that so-and-so tipped us off that you two were going to be doing this because otherwise what would have happened? You know, like, just, like, something something like that when Betty's getting reamed out next episode, which she obviously will. And also next week is the dirty dip. Oh. Oh. Well, according to the wiki page, that next episode, Alice basically forces Betty to join this after school club so that she has no time to do anything else except be a part of this. God, is that what life was like? Because I'm not a fan of this whole, like, not letting the kid have a fucking life. Like, I don't understand. Alice has always been like this in any decade. Alice has always been like that. Yes, but I'm saying, like, I guess we can now roll into this. But Uncle Frank, like, what is your uh, end game? Sorry. Ooh, hashtag end game. Disney's Avengers end game. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get sued. Um, yeah, I don't understand why even Mary's not that. Like, and we find out not as, like, drill sergeant about this whole, like, not having a life for Archie. And I, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't understand Uncle Frank either. I feel like in the end it's going to come out that he's evil of some sort. He's going to be. Well, the mustache. Dick evidence. in the end. <laughs> evidence enough. 
But Mary was annoying in the first few episodes, like really trying to curb Archie's teenage fantasies, you know, like making wanting to take away his car after the James Dean car accident right. and you know grounding him, like whatever. He, but I felt like those were simple, normal mother concerns. But then she brings Uncle Frank into it and it's like he's... Well, he takes it to another level. Yeah. And she eventually realizes that this is like too much for a poor Archie, but she was writing him pretty hard before Uncle Frank got there and Archie was being insubordinate per usual, but he wasn't even really being that. He's a worse kid in present day Riverdale than he, he has been in the 50s. Uncle Frank was like listening off how like horrible he is and I'm like, but not really. Like, yeah, well, it's not... I mean, part of that is that they don't know the truth of what was going on with Cheryl, which, by the way, I guess we're done with that. We've just abandoned the idea. Oh, that we're they just going to ignore get it now. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess now that Cheryl's out, maybe she can explain why that was all well, going she's on. She's only but... really out to Tony. Again, we'll True. get to it. Yeah. She's only out to Tony. But at the same time, for the parents' sake, that wasn't even brought up in Uncle Frank's like... No, he did, you didn't know, he? I thought he just brought up like the car and... Mostly the car. No, I think it, I think he also mentioned like the blossom, the blossom girl and stuff because that was the whole reason that Mary called him in the first place. I guess, but you agreed to it, Mary. So what? <laughs> anyway, so Uncle Frank takes him on this apology tour and makes Archie apologize to his mom for that being such a little too. shit, and then to Principal Featherhead for not being a good student. <laughs> Like, okay, actually, we, we don't really know that because we don't really see them in school necessarily, but it, he doesn't seem to be any worse of a student in this era than he did in present day. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think he attends school more frequently in this time period. It's like a revolved around the school this time, so. Yeah. That's different. <laughs> and then he gets him a job at Pops Pumping Gas. Well, before that, he makes him the... Oh, I didn't remember which came first. Oh, okay. So basically, it comes down to... They're having dinner at the table. It's Uncle Frank, Mary, and Archie. And Uncle Frank was asked by Principal Featherhead that, right. you know, can you please be... Bring we're back bringing the back basketball, basketball team. team after the war and all of that. And, like, can you be the coach? And he's like, totally. And he automatically assumes that Archie's gonna do it and all that and Archie's like well I'm not really feeling it like I don't want to do it and he and Uncle Frank's like well you're gonna be a part of the team somehow so you're gonna be the fucking water boy and that's it and even like Mary's look was kind of like if he's not gonna play like okay he doesn't have to be part of the basketball team so he becomes the water boy and that obviously becomes a fucking shitstorm because Julian's a dickhead and is just making it worse on him. Right. Bullying him, teasing him about yeah. not actually being a player, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, clearly that's not enough. So that's when Uncle Frank's like, well, I talked to Pop and he said, you can now be a gas station attendant and pump gas for people. So, so Archie is genuinely busy. Like, he's oh, yeah. Like, he's like the minute, the minute he has a time to go to the fucking bathroom. Uncle Frank's like, well, you should be pumping gas now <laughs> instead of taking a shit. This is shit your pants at the gas pump. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be a bucket around there somewhere. <laughs> no. Poor Pop comes out too and it's like, here's some coffee because you're clearly being worked to the bone. Can I empty your shit bucket for you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't get paid enough for this exactly and it's just it's so annoying because like in both scenarios julian is such a 
fucking asshole and i just want to kill him i'm sorry i want to kill him but i just love having a new character that's just there we introduce new characters all the time but that they disappear and julian's just been in it this whole time and i love it love it it, yes it's great to have a new character but i hate when they're just completely one-dimensional that's true yeah he doesn't really have a lot of depth but there aren't a lot of riverdale characters that do so fair enough Fair enough. Yeah. So yeah, so it gets to the point where Archie has a talk with Mary and he's a heart to heart. Yeah, we find out that Archie has this very sad backstory surrounding basketball that that was something that he used to do with Fred and it has a very special place in his heart. He's worried about disappointing Fred or not being good enough and Mary reassures him, no, no matter what your Uncle Frank says, because Uncle Frank does do a dick move and is like, you know, your dad would be so ashamed, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, um, sir, <laughs> who are you? Yeah, get the fuck out. Go shave your fucking mustache and get the fuck out of yeah, here. Yeah, like, where did you come from, first of all? Do you live in Riverdale? And if you don't, then, like, why are you suddenly now permanently living in Riverdale to coach well, his basketball team? Well, he's clearly single and not, nobody's And not him. ready to mingle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I thought that's what you were going to say. No, it, I'm just saying, like, no wherever he came from, nobody's missing him. That's where I was Right, like, he that, just but. he just pops up out of nowhere and then is like, well, I live here now and I coach the basketball team and I control everything about your life. And it's like, sir, you don't... <laughs> belong here do you even know my birthday get the fuck out of here get the fuck out of town so mary kind of i don't know if she reels uncle frank in at all but she talks to archie and is basically like okay you don't really have to listen to everything uncle frank says dad would be proud if you want to do basketball you should do basketball blah 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 so he does get into a fight at school though with julian yeah julian is being a dick per usual uh-huh because <laughs> he says he's gonna break his dad's record or oh yeah whatever. so archie in turn goes right for him yeah and uh obviously they get in trouble so frank's like the first one on the scene oh. obviously <laughs> his mustache is like a little antenna for <laughs> it really is <laughs> it hides his secrets um, that's why his mustache is so big <laughs> Why is it so dark? (laughs) So he like literally meets Mary at the principal's office and she's like, listen, bro, it's my kid. I got this one. Back off. (laughs) Get the fuck away. I'm slowly regretting having you come here. Yeah, this was a mistake. And I think that's where it kind of probably gets better, I guess. Yeah, well, Archie decides he will join the basketball team and... He shuts Julian up by like sinking a free throw, uh, a free but it throw. was just so funny that he's like, "How do we know he's even good?" Yeah, and then like he just does the free throw, <laughs> and he's up like, the "Ball." I'm like, any questions? It's like, very, no. Very High School Musical. Yes, and like even Uncle Frank like does that smirk. Like I knew he had it in him, and it's like, yeah, no, he did. But if you just fucking listen to his trauma, then maybe you'd understand. Nobody re- respected trauma in the fifties, but Archie. Nobody respects trauma now. Who that's are we true. Kidding? That's true. But my favorite part of this whole story was <laughs> Archie then going up to Uncle Frank and being like, "I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing it for me." And my mom. And my dad. dad. (laughs) But definitely not for you. (laughs) It's 
like so I'm literally doing it for everyone else except for you. But you. Fuck you and your mustache. Stupid ass. Yeah. So that's that. So hopefully we will not see as much of Uncle Frank. Although now he's barging in on Archie when he's trying to uh, like jerk off to Betty in the window. It's just so Not weird. even. Just show her his junk. Like. I mean, that's where it was heading though, right? Once they got naked, don't you oh, think they were just going to masturbate to each other? Hell yeah. What else would you do? I don't think they do? know how to. Well, I mean. Oh, come on. <laughs> Well, Betty doesn't. I don't. Th- I mean, I she think read a she lot of books. Figure it still, out. Yeah, maybe. I mean, nobody taught you how to masturbate, did they? No, I just watched really staticky porn back in the day. Okay. Yeah, they probably didn't have that in the fifties. No. Okay. But in the 90s, they did. They sure did. <laughs> the golden age of staticky porn. Right? <laughs> we don't have the channel, but we can still see it. <laughs> but yeah, so that... That's, that's that on that. That on that. And then we can... Do you, whose story do you want to go into next? Because we got two more. Uh, I know. I, this is like taking forever. <laughs> I know. Um, this is a little longer than we thought. <laughs> Let's do Cheryl and Tony. Okay. So, can I tell you how excited I was to see Evelyn ever and ever again? <laughs> Dude, I saw her come on my screen. I did a double take. I was like, oh no, not Evelyn. Never in a million years did I think Never I thought. was going to see this bitch's face again. And I'm so pleased. Do you think there was a farm back then? No. I mean, we haven't heard any, like, any anything about it. So, I think she's just a homophobic bitch in this time period. Oh, she's such a C word. (laughs) So Cheryl is obviously in charge of the Vixens still in the 50s and they're doing tryouts. So she makes some kind of comment to Tony or whatever that she doesn't have time to hang out with her because she's doing Vixens stuff. So then Tony decides she's going to try out for the Vixens. Those are some pom-poms, by the way. What the fuck was up with these pom-poms? Right? Were they? They were so fluffy. It was like cut up. Huge. Crate paper? Because I literally, okay, so I literally have from Party City, like the um, tablecloths, like that material. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was like that cut up into really thick, just, really long. Yes. Like I've never seen pom poms like this they in were my the life. Biggest pom poms ever. Yeah. And what cracked me up was after she finished her routine, Cheryl said something about how she had like exceptional pom pom work. And it's like, how do you even tell? She like, she right? used the whole performance. They covered her whole body. <laughs> yes. Like as she was like moving them, they were. Yes, and like Cheryl has this like out of body experience again, similar to when yeah. Tony was doing the the slam poetry or the dance poetry or whatever the fuck that was. So, this made more sense though. It was a little more seductive. She was the first person to audition, and Cheryl just immediately offers her a spot on the squad. Which I would side with Evelyn here. Yes, being like yes. <laughs> she was like, "Do we want to let anybody else audition?" <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and like, good point. And this isn't the first time Cheryl has done shit like this either. I feel like for Tony or for people that she cares about, and it's just like you can't like nobody questions her when she does this. You you can't just do that. <laughs> Mm. and she's being so obvious but but i feel like that's the same with anything regarding cheerleading like even the bring it on movies like nobody questions <laughs> the head cheerleader like you just listen to them and just fuck off i guess but like I, I i don't know i would not be a cheerleader it's not that i have like so much of a problem with authority but it's just I, no thanks. organized activity because that's my deal i hate no, that thank you. <laughs> don't ask me to do anything organized <laughs> So Evelyn confronts Cheryl about No Lezzies are allowed to <laughs> Yeah, she's cheer. She's basically like, I'm uncomfortable with Tony on the squad. 
everybody knows she's a lesbian and I'm uncomfortable in the in the locker room getting changed and whatever with this person around. And Cheryl's like, fuck you. Tony's not a lesbian. Don't know what you've heard, but it's not true. And you need to get the fuck out of here with your bullshit. Mm-hmm. So Evelyn goes snooping through Tony's stuff looking for like lesbian paraphernalia, I guess. Do you know I tried to write paraphernalia <laughs> in my notes and it didn't work. I, <laughs> I, I'm staring at it right now. Evelyn looking for lesbian paraphernalia and I wrote it, crossed it out, tried to write it again and realized I wrote it the same fucking way and it's wrong. So honestly, I didn't try. I just came up with the word now, but I would have problems spelling it if I tried to write it down. I knew I wanted to say it and would forget it now. So that's why Uh, I attempted it. But thank you very much for sorry for stealing it after you went. No, I'm glad you said it. I'm glad we're on the same brainwaves. That makes me happy. Yeah, but that's just funny. Like, I mean, it's a coincidence that Cheryl happened to return the cost of pepper to Tony earlier that day and so Tony had it in her locker and as we know it's a lesbian love story blah 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 do you think she read it who because all Cheryl Cheryl because all she complimented was the fact that like I liked that like two girls were close yeah on the cover cover. yeah (laughs) um probably not I don't know yeah no I don't think so so Evelyn finds this and is basically like aha irrefutable (laughs) evidence that Tony is a lesbian yeah that's pretty much it so Tony comes around she's like what you doing Evelyn's like well explain this basically like I know what you are and Cheryl said you were in but you totally are and then Tony was like what did Cheryl say like like, she's an illegal alien yeah Right, exactly. Like she's discovered, like she's an undercover Russian spy or something. (laughs) (laughs) And so she's basically like, fuck right off. And then it's like, what else did Cheryl say? And then she's upset now that Cheryl tried to minimize and and say that she wasn't when she is. So she confronts Cheryl about it and she's like, look, I've kind of been trying to work with you on this and you are not responding. So Mm -hmm. if this is just not something you're interested in, just tell me right now and I will stop and I will quit this squad and blah, blah, blah. So then this is when Cheryl finally admits that she is a lesbian and that she is attracted to Tony. And it's like, well, how fucking hard was that? So you could have said that a long time ago. The thing that that bugs me, though, is the next scene we see the two of them, they're like having tea at Thornhill and they're like gossiping. Yes. And, and she's like, wait, so Kevin and Clay are gay? And it's like, are you kidding? You just got so pissed off at Cheryl for talking. Right. And now you're going to fucking blow up their yeah, spot. Right. And I, she didn't I, know they that better already. not. Like, she better not. What the hell? Because like, that's I what Cheryl that... did back in regular Riverdale when Moose yes. and Kevin were starting to date. She outed Moose on the loudspeaker in high school. So, yeah, like, that was so fucked. You can't do that. Yeah, and Tony's basically right. Like, don't fucking say anything. Like, they're not out. But yeah. just know that, like, this isn't uncommon. It's happening all around you. Yeah, like, fine. But also, like, you don't have to use names for your examples unless they've explicitly True. said that it was okay. You know, it's just... Speaking of which, we haven't seen them in a few episodes. So. We really have not. We have no idea what they're up to. They're in, in the sex bunker just, like, going at it. I've said it several times. I'll say it again. I love that bunker. <laughs> I wish we had a bunker like that. I wish that. we had a bunker. We'd be recording from the bunker. Oh, my God. Recording from the bunker. That would be the name of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> from the bunker. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. God, we need a bunker. We need a bunker. So that's 
kind of it for them. That like they're yeah. at this point, like they kiss, they make out. So they're definitely exploring their relationship. It's unclear exactly how Cheryl's gonna handle it with her family or anybody else. Right. That was another thing she admitted, like, oh, the whole thing with Archie, it was because my family right. you know, was catching on to me not being normal. So you right. Know, quote unquote, and whatever. Tony says that her parents kicked her out when she announced that she was Which gay. was the same story. Yes and no, because her Nana was also not cool with her being gay. That's why she and Cheryl broke up at the end I of high school. I thought it was just because she was a blossom. Oh, that's true. But I think it was also a little bit of the gay thing. Oh. At least now they're like out in the open with each other and we can stop pretending and trying to marry Archie and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Hopefully we can get a little more back to normal. I don't know when that's going to No, happen. don't even say it. It's just not going to happen. <sighs> so now, yes, now we get to Jughead. Close out with Jughead Jugular Jones. And one of his favorite authors. I'm going to fuck up this name. Brad Raybury, which is really... Ray Bradbury. Thank and, you. And that's... Yes, this is going to be confusing in my brain because even when I was writing my notes that night, I kept fucking up. I'm like, wait, what the fuck is this guy's name again? Because I know it's not Bradbury, which is what it should be, but it's Brad... Brad Ray, Raybury. It's Brad Raybury. But it's just so funny because <laughs> as I watch them do it and say the names, I'm like, you're going to fuck it up. Yeah. You're going to fuck it up because I'm <laughs> fucking it up. But also, in real life, Ray Bradbury... One, Martian Chronicles is one of my favorite books. Mm-hmm. And him and I share a birthday. Oh, oh my God. God. Yes. Birthday buds. Birthday buds. But yeah, the minute he's like, well, okay. So Jughead is at, you know, work, I guess. <laughs> Pep Comics. Pep Comics. And he realizes that a few of the comics are basically fraudulent. Yes. They, they've plagiarized Brad Rayberry. Yeah. Basically just changing a few name like titles, like they changed one part of the name or whatever. Right. And keep it pretty much to the same plot. And he goes and he confronts Mr. What's the boss's name? I want to call him Flintstone. It's not oh, Flintstone. Oh, no, no, no. It's, um, I wrote it down this time hold on because uh, something stone fieldstone right? fieldstone fieldstone flintstone, <laughs> fieldstone. <laughs> he tries to work with no shoes on yes. um <laughs> and he basically confronts him and he's like bro i know for a fact you plagiarized like eight of his work this right insane. and he's like no you know and he's denying it denying it denying it he said they tried to contact him okay he yeah they tried to that he was dead because dead. he never got back to them Listen, I don't answer phone calls either. I'm not dead. (laughs) That's not how that works. Right. So Jughead, of course, takes it upon himself to go to Brad Rayburn's home and is like, dude, I just want you to know I work for Pepper comics and they've been plagiarizing your shit for a while and i think you should sue them like <laughs> yeah and i love that he like rayberry just doesn't know anything about it because like i guess nobody reads pep comics or something not even that but like the way he opens the door like what time of day was it he seems so disheveled and like yeah i mean not he, like like a slob they really lean into that stereotype of writers in this show of being like kind of eccentric kind of beatnik kind of but it was a little weird because it started that way. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Jughead gets in his head, I assume. And Brad Rayberry goes to Pep Comics and confronts Fieldstone and is like, 
dude, you've been plagiarizing my shit for years. We need to come to some agreement. And then you have, like, Jughead just sitting on the side, like, smirking. Yeah. As if he didn't fucking tell him what right. happened. Right. Like, he didn't know this was going to happen. Like, and over eight years or however many years that this has been going on now, he shows up. Okay, whatever. Yeah. So Fieldstone gives him like this whole thing like, okay, well, what if I do this, that, and the other thing? And he's like, okay, fine. Yeah, Jughead kind of inserts himself in as a mediator. He's like, well, what about this if you did that? And and it's like, dude, like you're a teenager. Like you don't know shit about any of this stuff. Like why... Why are you part of this negotiation? But whatever, it works. <laughs> it works. So they end up going to pop together and they're talking and he's like, oh, you know, you should use some of your like work, like kind of pushing now, like anything that you have unwritten or whatever, why not make it a comic and blah, blah, blah. And then he talks about his dad. He's asked about his dad. And right. Like, well, he was part of hmm. he, he was <laughs> he was like- part of like a bank robbery gone wrong. He was wrong. implicated in a bank robbery. Yes, and then he took off on his bike and to never Toledo. to be seen from again. Yeah. And Rayberry's like, have you written about that before? And he's like, no. And I actually wrote down, I'm like, you write what you know. That's, mm-hmm. that's the whole thing. So he's he's like, you should write it, whatever. So now they're like becoming buds. Yeah, well, he, he basically is like, let me know, you know, when you have something you've written, you want me to look at it. And I would be happy to kind of mentor you and give you tips and feedback and whatever, which is really nice of him. And he right. also says, you know, I could use some help translating, you know, my work into the comic format. So, you know, it'd be great to work with you on that. It's a really nice thing. And that's why it's so bizarre to me that it goes the way it does, because he invites. Yeah, I'm a little upset. Well, well, Jughead. Okay comes over yeah Jughead goes over there and this is what it irked me a little because once his name's on the comics you see Dilton Doily and um Ben Button Ben Button are like oh they're so excited for him right Right. they're like oh my god this is insane we know this guy right like let's celebrate let's go to Pops let's celebrate and Jughead's like no I'm gonna go to my new best bud Brad Rayberry's house (laughs) he's a 40 year old author (laughs) yeah I'm like oh fuck like this is how this is gonna go like he's gonna be like that weird tag alonger guy with like a really older man like I don't like that but anyway in real life they're like five years apart probably Uh, probably (laughs) so he goes to his apartment and now he's all like done up nice the apartment looks nice and clean like all of a sudden like he's got his shit together yeah he's got his shit together and Jughead had written something and he's like oh I have some stuff to start if you can help you know just give me you know and Rayberry starts to make some tea for him walks out of the room and there's unpublished transcripts basically all over around him and he sees one it's in a box he opens a box it's not just sitting out on the coffee table for him to see he literally Ugh. just nosy it around in this fucking box takes it and puts it in his back in his bag yeah. and i got I'm like, so annoyed because you i'm doing? like you're a fucking idiot you're getting so much praise from this man yes he's helping you so much and you thank him by stealing one of his and manuscripts stole, yeah so dumb and he ends up reading the whole thing and like when they show him reading it i forgot it was his fucking train car because of the way veronica decorated yeah. it <laughs> gaudy as fuck what was that backboard to his bed yeah it's I not was like, great this is not i mean it's not him at all a plus for it not looking like a train car but still it's like, <laughs> no weird. yeah but also that's Chuckhead's aesthetic you know he wanted mm-hmm. he would want it to look like a train car 
It's stupid, but yeah, so he reads the whole thing. And then the stupid thing about this is that he just brings it back to him and is like raving about it. As if he's going to be totally fine with the fact that he like went through his possessions, took this manuscript home. Like there's going to be no repercussions from that. He's such a fucking idiot. And of course, Radbury is upset. He's like, you took this from my house? Like what what kind of person does this? And good point. And so kind of kicks him out at that point. So I guess Jughead is down one mentor. Yeah, he's he got fucked, and I I don't know how that's gonna affect now, or if it affects anything. If it affects anything, <laughs> I mean, here's me being positive here. Yeah, I could see that just uh, never coming up again. <laughs> more than likely, I mean, it we did just roll been... over with the whole. Oh, and then we see Doctor Werther's his secretary is like, I confiscated this comic from right. Ben Button or from Dalton Doily, and he's like, oh. These horrible comic books. These comic books, they just... What was the thing he... What was the description he used? Cut off a head... A hydra. You cut off a head and another one, two more form or whatever. And she goes, yeah, but this is probably... Look at the name on it. It's It's one one of our our students. students. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) So now we're like, fuck, here we go. Yeah, so whatever implications that has, we don't know yet. But we didn't get anything else on the murder investigation for Ethel's parents. We don't get anything on Ethel. Yeah, Ethel is away at the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. She still is silent treatment at the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. (laughs) And, uh, Vow of silence, not silent treatment. Uh, Same thing. (laughs) You just can't talk. Um, (laughs) again, that's more what I'm intrigued about. I want to know who killed the parents and can we get into that, but Yeah, no, we just abandoned that investigation No, next week we're just going to be dirty dancing. I didn't see the preview. Uh, I just know that it's called Dirty Dancing. Betty does something scandalous on live TV. She oh, says something. Lord. She's like, you want to see a real twist? And then like does something. Does she lift her skirt? I does bet she, she like... does. I honestly bet she does. That's she my guess. Does. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers. I don't know exactly, but it seems like it's going to be more 50s bullshit for the next also, couple of Also, the parents own the, the television station. And how have we not heard that they have like a bandstand show yet? Well, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, these things are introduced very conveniently for the plot. Although I do think that we knew that they had a news station because in the first episode with the Emmett Till stuff, yes, Betty did yeah. want them to go on the air and read Tony's poem or whatever. So I think we were kind of aware of it, but like it's a, a sub, sub, sub plot. <laughs> Always sub, sub, sub. But yeah, I think we covered everything. There was a lot going on in the episode. It's just none of it's important. So no, and none <laughs> of it kind of like intertwined with each other's stories i do appreciate those that literally just listen to us to get the information yeah well they got a very thorough recap yeah they're the best i love them (laughs) and speaking of them we finally hit 2k on twitter so i'm super excited about that thank you twitter yes you guys are amazing uh we'll get there with instagram but i think that's going to be a very 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 slow burn because we're only at like 630 right now that's that's fine. We'll get there. Our pod pick of the week this week is Holidays After Dark. Kristen brings the in-depth backstories to our favorite holidays. Oh, see, this sounds like something for me since I love yes. those holidays. <laughs> you do love to mention our holidays. Yes. But yes, mentions the unseen and the things you don't necessarily know about holidays. So amazingly great show. Our 
post on Thursday. I will have all the information on how to listen and contact her and enjoy. Other than that, of course, you know where to find us. Obviously, Twitter, because we're obviously over 2K followers. Just now. ask any of our 2,000 followers. <laughs> yeah. Instagram, the website. And again, we're here every week on pretty much every platform at this point. And do you have anything you want to add? Happy Cinco de Mayo, everybody. (laughs) We're past Cinco de Mayo. Well, yeah, but I think it's the most post de Mayo. Yeah, it's the the post de Mayo. Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. Yeah. One of my favorite holidays. And uh, yeah, so until then, that's Endgame. Endgame.